Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnanam Jana Shalakaya Chakshurin Vilitam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 4 Chapter 27 Text 16 Translation and Commentary by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Translation The Five Hooded Serpent The Superintendent and Protector of the City of King Puranjan fought with the Gandharvas for 100 years. He fought alone with all of them, although they numbered 720. Purport, the 360 days and 360 nights combined to become the 720 soldiers of Chandavega time. One has to fight these soldiers throughout one's lifespan, beginning with birth and ending with death. This fight is called the struggle for existence. Despite this struggle, however, the living entity, what happens? You die. Well, here Prabhupada writes, the living entity does not die. As confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, the living entity is eternal. Ajo nityang shashvato yang purano nahanyate hanyamane sharire. For the soul, there is never birth nor death. Nor having once been, actually, this translation is, uh, it's still higher grievous work. Nor having once been, it goes against the whole spirit. It's, uh, the, the point is, it never comes into being. So if you say, having once been, does he ever cease to be? It's a wrong term, anyway. It's the the uh, handiwork of Hayagriva. Nayang Bhutva, it does means he never comes into being. There's, uh, there's never any question, never at any point in time does he come into being. He is unborn, eternal, ever-existing, undying, and primeval. He is not slain when the body is slain. Actually, the living entity does not take birth, nor does he die, but he has to fight with the stringent laws of material nature throughout the entire span of his lifetime. He must also face different kinds of miserable conditions. Despite all this, the living entity, due to illusion, thinks that he is well-situated in sense gratification. Ah, in this purport, Srila Prabhupada uses the phrase well-situated, which you may have heard. It's a commonly used term in India. Not so much in the English-speaking area that I had the misfortune to be born into. People will often speak, especially of their children, that, oh, my son is well-situated. You've heard that, right? Madhu Kanta. You are, you are well-situated at one point, and then these Hare Krishna people came along and spoiled your life. You had a good job, having studied hard for so many years 
prestigious area and then you are well situated but the problem is that you are in the struggle for existence so we have to fight with the soldiers of time It's constant struggle and the end result is you die then you get born again and then you struggle again so we've heard all these things many times before anyone who's read this far in the bhagavatam must have come across this many times we may wonder why is this being repeated again and again and again because we are struggling and the nature of illusion is to make us think that this struggle for existence this struggle in material life this struggle is enjoyable what is the struggle first of all for existence to live at all that means you, you have to get enough to eat you have to have protection sleeping sleeping is a very dangerous situation for the unless you're protected with a house with locks and a gun in the corner and a big dog it's very dangerous sleeping you can be attacked at any time <clears throat> uh so if one has sufficient arrangement for eating sleeping mating and defending that one is considered successful in the struggle so the struggle is first of all just to remain alive <clears throat> there are many living beings who jivo uh, jivasya jivanam you see that uh, one is very commonly seen that one bug is on the wall in the evening time usually the uh tik tiki that kind of lizard in bengali it's called tik tiki they come out and the bug is just bugging around being a bug just enjoying the ambience being here now and all of a sudden the tik tiki jumps on him and catches him and he's dead or even sometimes you see there the tik tiki swallows him and you can see within the stomach the bug still bugging around but it's too late he's going to get digested by the digestive juices of the tik tiki so like that that's that's very common or you you see you don't see it often in the cities 
the hawk is flying like this on the spot. They, they hover high up in the air. And then they see something, usually a mouse. And then they, it's quite spectacular, they dive bomb. And all of a sudden that mouse, which is just mousing around, being a mouse, jiving around with this mouse scene, all of a sudden the mouse finds himself in the talons of the kestrel, which is one kind of hawk. And that's the end of his being here now. So we see sudden death. It's very common. All of a sudden, one is taken away. So it's a very dangerous situation for humans also. You told me about some video you'd seen about people being murdered and all this. Real life murders or, or deaths. Someone's just talking to someone and all of a sudden someone comes up and shoots them like this kind of thing. So suddenly may come at any time so we're trying to remain alive and then when we've got our staying alive business we're more or less confident of that. Then how to get sense gratification that comes the next point and we go on with our lives like this. So we've all heard this many times before I hope. Uh, you may wonder why, why is it repeated again and again you may say well especially for devotees we should have some some more instruction well that's also there Srimad Bhagavatam is uh, comprehensive covers uh, all aspects of Bhagavat Tattva Vigyanam the science of knowledge of God beginning from the beginning here, this is beginning instructions that uh, life in this material world is miserable, but the soul is eternal. And here we are in the fourth canto, and again the same instructions being given. So it's not ex- this uh, instruction in the knowledge in the science on the science of God. It's not exactly like learning some academic subject. Just like, for instance, in mathematics. You learn, first of all, one plus one equals... Anyone? Hands up. (laughs) Two! Two plus three equals... Sixty-four times four equals... Two hundred and fifty-six. Two hundred and fifty-six times two hundred and fifty-six Immediately, even if it's two seven-digit numbers, somehow or other. So, uh, when one is studying mathematics, then you, you don't have to go back to arithmetic again and again. 
It's included in all higher topics. Basic arithmetic is included. And you don't have to go back and revise it. And even you know, basic algebra that comes in all higher levels, so you don't have to revise it again and again and again. So why then, if we're in the fourth canto of Bhagavatam, are we again going back to the basic topic? It should be included and understood in the higher topics, just like uh, Oops, I have to go back again. I have to go back to the topics that were being discussed previously. So in the, in the fourth canto, we have the story, for instance, of Dhruv Maharaj, which shows how uh, one can be purified of material desires by practicing devotional service. So included in that narration is the understanding that material existence is... Uh, <clears throat> even, even the best of material existence is meaningless, the purificatory power of devotional service. So the fact that the soul is eternal, it's, it's already... It's already understood within that narration. So it, it, it's a basis of all the further narrations that are to come, just as in any subject. The beginning knowledge is, is the basis of all that which is to follow. So a difference in devotional service is that uh, it's not simply some academic or intellectual construct, but it is a matter of purification. And even though one may theoretically understand that material life is miserable, attachment to this material world is the cause of suffering, the soul is eternal, but still the tendency is... I don't know if you noticed this, but despite hearing about higher topics, the mind is attracted to lower topics of the material world. Some of you may have noticed this, that even though we hear about Krishna, the tendency of the mind is to run toward material objects, and to be attached to that. Even despite having such high knowledge and having faith in the prospect of pure devotional service, still the mind is attracted toward even very uh, gross sense gratification. So, therefore, it is necessary to hear these topics again and again. Several years ago, I think maybe 15 or 20 years ago now, uh, an article appeared in Back to Godhead, the magazine of the Hare Krishna movement, titled, Is the Srimad Bhagavatam class still relevant? Discussing the point 
that many devotees don't seem to have that much interest in the Srimad Bhagavatam classes, and that it may seem to be boring and repetitive. So what is the relevance? If you've already heard these topics so many times, what is the relevance of hearing them again and again? Well, that we have to see our own minds. If we're still attracted to the impermanent, asat trishna, this is called asat trishna, the, the thirst for that which is asat, Asat means uh, impermanent, untrue, unreal, unbeneficial. So if that thirst is still there for that which is against our real self-interest of surrendering to Krishna, then it certainly makes sense to hear every day that all of this is asat. Everything which is not specifically aimed at pure devotional service is asat. So, there's the positive in devotional service, there's the positive process, the positive aspect, the negative aspect, do's and do nots, vidhi nisheda. There are rules, that which is to be done, that which is not to be done. In the Ashtanga yoga processes is yama and niyama, which means that which is not to be done and that which is to be done. So this uh, hearing regularly is essential. We may have theoretical knowledge of the process of devotional service, but if we don't regularly hear about that, we become weak. Our Our determination becomes weak. Our application in devotional service becomes weak. Just like uh, last night you told me, Madhukanta, about one of our devotees who is, uh, he has a strong tendency to be attacked by ghosts at night. And that tendency was, by his application in devotional service, that was coming down. But then one night when I was staying up, that center. In the middle of the night he was shouting and screaming due to being attacked by ghosts. And because for several days there was a he had been busy in service arranging an upcoming public program. At that time there's a lot of service to do, especially when you only have a few devotees present. So the sadhana had come down. That often happens that when there's a major festival upcoming then the uh, regulated hearing and chanting uh, that tends to get reduced, you have something, something has to be done. So you have to skip, okay, skip the Bhagavatam class. Go out during the 
japa period and then chant your rounds here and there, somewhere, somehow. Or uh, the time that's set aside for reading every day, that gets set aside. So for a few days he'd been uh, cutting the corners on the sadhana. And the result of that was seen in his again being attacked by ghosts. He'd become his resistance had become weak. His subtle body had become weak, even though he was performing devotional service. Without the, the hearing and chanting that gives us the basic strength, he'd become weak in that. Of course, there is special mercy to be had by, perf- by performing service in the Sankirtan mission. But uh, on a daily basis, if we don't have strong hearing and chanting, then the natural result is that we become weak. And in the preaching mission, we see always that there's always a tension between the need to perform. There are unlimited activities to be performed in preaching. So there's a tension between preaching activities and personal sadhana to keep us strong. And the very nature of the preaching mission is that Often the, yeah, you have to stay awake in class also, otherwise you don't get the, the benefits. The very nature of the preaching mission, it being a dynamic mission, is that often corners get cut in sadhana, but we should be very careful to make up on other, at other times uh, and not get into the habit of just pushing, 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 preaching, and we're pushing so hard that we ourselves, we just fall off the edge of the... We get pushed off the edge of the cliff and we have a a fall into maya. So even apart from cutting corners, uh, we have to be always applying a even if we're not cutting corners, but we always have to be applying ourselves in hearing and chanting. Krishna consciousness is very easy. In many ways, it's very easy. We're not asked to perform difficult yoga postures. We're not asked to uh, study difficult Sanskrit and you're not asked to perform very difficult austerities. It's an easy and joyful process. But it does require much application to be successful. We do require to hear very carefully and with the attitude that I want to surrender to Krishna. I want to be a pure devotee of Krishna. If we have that attitude, then our hearing will be fruitful. Srila Prabhupada often gave the example that if the speaker is bona fide, like Shukadev Goswami, and if the hearer is bona fide, like Parikshit, then it's like a, a potent man 
when he unites with his fertile wife, then a child will be produced. So, Shukadev, he's speaking without any personal desire, with the desire to benefit, particularly Parikshit Maharaj. There are many others present, but Shukadev was specifically speaking for, particularly speaking for, for Parikshit, because he was the proper person to hear. Even though there were hundreds of other people present, and very many, mostly, actually all, very highly qualified, but they were not as qualified as Parikshit. Because Parikshit was eager to hear, and he understood from the beginning that he wants to hear what is necessary to be a pure devotee, to become a pure devotee of Krishna. So, although the different rishis were present, and they might have been more attracted to if the Upanishads had been spoken in a roundabout way, hinting at the truth, whereas Shukadev just gave the Srimad Bhagavatam, straightforward delineation of the highest truth, Vedyam Vastava Matra Vastu, Vedyam Vastava Matra, the, the essence of all Shastra. The, the actual message of Shastra, which is Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, to uh, surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. <clears throat> so Shukadev, he was uh, also qualified by understanding clearly what is pure devotional service and being competent to present it. And Parikshit was qualified as he was sometimes tested in the course of hearing by Shukadev. That is, is he hearing? What's he heard? Okay, let's, let's tell him. So we find at the beginning of the sixth canto that Shukadev says to Parikshit that, well, if you want to get free from sins, perform prayas chitta. And Parikshit says, come on. That's no good. You already told me that yourself. Uh, all right, then. You should cultivate jnana. And there's actually no response recorded from Parikshit. But then uh, Vishwanath, he, he often fills in the gaps. He says that Shukadev, seeing Parikshit, the expression on Parikshit's face, can understand that he's also not satisfied with that. And therefore he goes, and then Shukadev says the real thing, which Parikshit wanted to hear, is qualified to hear. Only pure devotional service can completely destroy the tendency towards sin, just as only the sun can dissipate the fog. So actually there, it's in North India, it might have been a, might have been a foggy, foggy time of year. There's a lot of fog up there at that time of year. Now, which time of year was it? That? But in the winter, it becomes, so it's a very apt example. I think here in Tamil Nadu, not and maybe if you go in the hills, you see some fog. You know what fog is? 
Any idea? Mist is another word. When mist becomes thick, it's called fog. It's uh, in the in the morning in the winter. The uh, condensation is in the air. It's like a cl- it's actually the same as a cloud, which is at ground level. So you can't see clearly anything. So how are you going to dissipate that? There's nothing you can do. But when the sun rises. What is that? How does that verse begin? Oh, Hare Krishna. Look it up. When one's consciousness is in light, just like the sun, which illuminates everything. Yesham nashitam atmanaha, tesham aditya vajjyanam prakashyati tatparam. Ignorance is dissipated by the, by knowledge which is like the sun, brilliant as the sun, which illuminates everything clearly. And all ignorance is dissipated. So Shukadevi, he is a speaker, competent to, his speaking is such, it completely destroys the ignorance and gives clear knowledge. But one has to be competent to receive that knowledge. And Parikshit was competent because from the beginning he understood this is what he wanted. He wanted the highest truth. He wanted to surrender to Krishna. That inclination was there uh, to hear. So, so in general, people don't have that. So for them, they may be preached to on the platform of Bhagavad Gita. Just like Arjuna, he was hearing from Krishna, but in the beginning, he had his own, he had his own programs. He had his own ideas. And Krishna just very patiently gave him, Arjuna, very basic knowledge. And then brought Arjuna to the point. You have to surrender to me, to Krishna. So really the Srimad Bhagavatam is for devotees, for people who have already accepted the principle of surrender to Krishna. And those who, those who accept that, they're competent to hear Srimad Bhagavatam. But it is required to Apply oneself to the process. If one thinks, well, I heard, you know, I heard all, Nayama, what is that? Yeah, uh, I'm forgetting the word. Najayate, Mriyate, Vakadach. Yeah, 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 I know. I learned that 20 years ago, that verse. So, Dukhale, yeah. Amashashra. Yeah, 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 I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Already heard that. Give me another cigarette. Already, I know, I know that. <laughs> so, I know this world is suffering and, uh, you know, I'm smoking cigarettes because, you know, it gives me a good experience of what's in Bhagavad Gita. Uh, cheating mentality. Like, you were telling me this, what was that? Some, some rascal, so-called devotee was going s- swimming naked in a river with some, someone else's wife. And what did he say? That I don't, I don't feel attracted or affected. 
They're just rascals. They said, like, it's speaking as if, as if it's a Krishna conscious activity. So I'm, I'm just doing this, just like Mahatma Gandhi. Whoops, this is on the internet. Well, he had that idea also. He would sleep at night with one young woman on one side and one young woman on the other just to test his brahmacharya. Although we don't find in the history of brahmacharya there was any such process as newly invented process by Mahatma Gandhi. And he would always go with one young girl on one side and one young girl on the other. So, he was showing his brahmacharya. So, there's... Clearly, uh, some have got to Mahatma Gandhi, but there may be so many other Mahatmas, or those who are known as Mahatmas, Mahatma. They, uh, they have some smattering of Vedic knowledge, but they don't know how to apply it, and it doesn't really help them. In India, it's very common. In the, among the older generation... Not so much among the newer generation, but they've, they, they've, just like that first lecture I gave in Mysore, I was talking about, I started speaking about Sattva Guna, and I asked, do you all know, you know what I'm talking about, Sattva Guna? I said, and then I looked and saw, and said, mostly it's more elderly people say, yeah, yeah, you know. But your children, they don't know. So they have some vague idea. What is this Sattva Guna, Raja Guna, Tamaguna? But it all gets mixed up. Again in Mysore, I entered a room and there were the nameplates of two men. One was Sridhara, one was Chitaranjan. I said, ah, this is very nice. These are names of Krishna. And the person who brought me in said, yes, yes, everyone is Krishna. So they, they have some knowledge and some piety, but they're messed up by wrong ideas. So it is necessary to here, the actual delineation of spiritual knowledge again and again and again because our tendency is to go toward maya again and again and again and even to hear the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, to pretend to be serious about Krishna consciousness and to just tweak the philosophy a little bit to convert it into something amenable for our sense gratification. That example of the so-called devotees swimming with another devotee's wife, both of them being naked, I mean, that's what you might call an extreme example. When it's very clear that the philosophical understanding has been uh, grossly misapplied. But... It may be uh, in other ways also, just like we were discussing yesterday about our movement presenting itself as a Hindu movement. And we were discussing the pros and cons. There are some definite pros in terms of getting galvanizing worldwide support from uh, an often influential people and uh, being recognized within broader society and by governments who therefore give facilities for us to have schools. And there are many 
froze, but there's also the con of we lose our actual identity and uh, we can't preach clearly that Sarvopada, the very basis of what we're supposed to be doing, Sarvopadivinir Muktam Tatparatvena Nirmalam Hushikena Hushikesha Sevanam Bhakti Ruchate. The very first principle of pure devotional service is to be free from all mundane designations. And by putting ourselves in the Hindu box, uh, therefore we're also not able to promote Krishna consciousness as a universal, uh, of course we can do, but the, the uh, facility to preach or, or the clear philosophical understanding to preach that Krishna consciousness is universal. It's meant for all living beings. It's, it's, it's not that by taking Krishna consciousness to Krishna consciousness you become a Hindu. But that's how it's... So, it's, it's a little tweak, you could say, but it makes a lot of difference in, in the in the way our own devotees perceive Krishna consciousness and people are coming to Krishna consciousness, how they perceive it. And then we have to mix up with Swami, Maha, Paramahamsa, Bhogananda, Bhogasananda, number one, and his brothers and sisters who all live together, all brothers and sisters, all happily living together. That's why he's called Bhogananda. Vairagyananda, he demonstrates his vairagya by having sex with many uh, sannyasinis, but he's not attached, well, he doesn't feel any pleasure while doing so, he demonstrates his vairagya by doing this. So, we have to, we have to, you know, we can't, anyway, that's just an example. But, um, The point I'm trying to make here is that unless we give clear understanding of what Krishna consciousness is repeatedly, even the basic points that we are eternal, this material world is miserable, then the tendency, because we have been conditioned since time immemorial to consider ourselves enjoyers of this world, the tendency to flip back to that wrong understanding is very strong. And then we don't become Krishna conscious. We don't get on the clear path like Parikshit was on, going back to Godhead. So we have to hear these things regularly. We have to apply ourselves very seriously to hearing, understanding, practicing, by chanting, there seems to be a quite common idea that if somehow or other you put your hand in your bead bag or maybe click on some counting machine and somehow or other get it up to 16 rounds a day, never mind the quality, that that's it. That's, That's what you have to do to be a devotee. But there's a lot more to it. Actually, we, we have to strive with every mantra we chant to pray to Krishna. O Krishna, O energy of Krishna, please engage me in your service. We, ha- we have to strive 
to improve our chanting, to develop a taste for the holy name, which requires giving up sense gratification. It's, it's a simple process. But what we're aiming at, the highest love of Krishna, which means to be free from sense gratification, that point of being free from sense gratification, that even the desire for it, it's not such a small thing. By the mercy of Krishna, we can be freed from the desire for sense gratification, which the yogis, they strive for so with such difficulty over such a long time. But the mercy of Krishna doesn't come just by you know, sticking our hand in a bead bag. We really have to pray to Krishna. Krishna, please engage me in your service. And then, okay, you have to go fill up the application form. You know, what, what are your qualifications? You're asking for what are your qualifications? So that will be seen. Are you free from the desire for sense gratification? Or are you at least desiring to be? Unless that is there, then it's a false prayer. We're not actually chanting Hare Krishna. If we are deliberately cultivating desires for sensuality. That's why I say again and again and again, you know, devotees don't go to kami restaurants, they don't eat kami food, they don't watch TV and all of those, because it's deliberately against the principle of Krishna consciousness. Then our chanting becomes, to a large extent, meaningless. Meaningless. Or not very meaningful. Because... We, we cannot serve Krishna on our terms. That I, I want this much sense gratification and I also want to serve Krishna. Of course, there are many injunctions in the Shastra that uh, even a person who has desires for sense gratification, if they take to Krishna consciousness, they can be, become purified. But we shouldn't take it lightly and think that, you know, I'll just go on with my life more or less as it is and chant a little and mumble a little and, you know, that's it. And then Krishna will give me his... Guru will give his mercy because he's very merciful and that's it. And when I've... You know, when my body wears out, I'm sitting in front of the TV one day with my hand in my bead bag, of course, and uh, I, uh, you know, it's time comes and it's all over. And that's it for one lifetime. And uh, then automatically I'll go to Krishna Loka and I'll be dancing with the gopis and all this kind of thing. Well, folks, it doesn't exactly happen like that. One has to be very serious. Even, it's interesting, here's an interesting point, that uh, Vishnu Chakravati comments in his Bhagavatam commentary that those who approach Krishna consciousness with material desires they may become purified as Dhruva Maharaj became purified and attain love of God but they don't attain it to the same level as those who uh, from the outset are desirous to be just fully acting for Krishna's pleasure there's a difference so uh, Serious application is required in devotional service. Serious hearing and chanting. 
that will purify this it's the fault of the prakrita sahajiyas in bengal that they take chaitanya mahaprabhu's mercy cheaply well chaitanya mahaprabhu is very merciful so we can do any damn thing we like and chant hari krishna or maybe some other mantra that someone made up and uh, that's all so we see that the Vyasadeva in Bhagavatam is giving these subjects which are basic subjects maybe from a slightly different angle within the allegorical story of Puranja how we are attacked we're struggling in in, in uh, the time we're struggling at every moment so from a slightly different perspective or, or phrased in a somewhat different way. But it's the same basic message that one should learn in the beginning of one's Krishna consciousness, but we have to hear it again and again and again. Otherwise, we don't get it. Even we may be very advanced in some ways. It may appear like that, but we can... Again, that, that's another consideration. Even if one does become advanced, that if one retains desires in the heart for sense gratification, then, or cultivates them in little corners, just like, you know, you have a little, little corner of the heart in which you keep all the, all the rubbish, all the garbage, instead of, instead of, disposing it, you keep it. And then it, it may just like a, a poison within the system. It it festers and then it can produce cancer and then just take over the whole system. We may not even be aware of it. So we have to hear repeatedly, carefully what needs to be heard. We have to hear that. Uh, clear delineation of Bhagavat Tattva Vigyana we have to chant very carefully. We have to serve. We have to pray. It requires a lot of application to be a devotee. Actually, 100% application. Ultimately, we have to come to that level. Hare Krishna. Any question about this? It's straightforward. Nothing difficult to understand here. No complex points. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Srimad